Hi, this is Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment and this is another episode of The Tingle Zone. In this episode, I'm talking with Hayley Kasalu, an award-winning entrepreneur, business owner and business consultant. Hayley's journey began when she founded a commercial cleaning company at the age of 18. Nine years later, she'd grown it into a seven-figure business and introduced sufficient systems and processes so that she could step away from the day-to-day activities and follow other pursuits, including becoming a mum. Now, there are numerous layers in our conversation. We discuss the very practical, how to introduce those systems and processes and get yourself off the hamster wheel, the importance of getting the right person to help you and how to find them, and the power of asking why. However, Hayley also shares with us some very personal challenges, namely how she came back to work while suffering with postnatal depression and PTSD. This is a very powerful story which demonstrates the importance of understanding both the business side of things and the personal, and how the two are always intertwined. Before we jump into the interview, do remember to download a copy of my latest book, More Than Just Money, by going to my website, www.businessenjoyment.com, where a pop-up should appear. And this book runs through the business enjoyment model, shows you how you can use it to find a solution to pretty much any problem, and of course, explains what I really mean when I say I want you to enjoy your business so much it makes your bits tingle. So do check that out, but for now, sit back, relax, Think about where you could be asking why, and most of all, enjoy. Uh, my name is Hayley Kosolu, and I am a business consultant uh, working with small to medium-sized businesses who have got a bit stuck in their business, um, a bit frustrated, got on a hamster wheel and can't really find the way off just to help them to eliminate the, the things that are causing those frustrations and, and essentially get their business working for them instead of them working every hour God sends and not getting the reward that they deserve from it. Absolutely. A very common trap that a lot of people fall into. So um, glad that you can uh, help people with that. So how, how did you get into this? What's your story that uh, sets you up to be the expert to help other business owners get what they need out of it? Yeah, so um, I set my first business up um, at the age of 18 um, in commercial cleaning and hygiene. Um, and the business started off um, only ever supposed to be a part-time job. It was never intended to become the business that it, that it became in the end. Um, and I had worked for a, a large organization, wasn't particularly treated very well. So I went off and set up on my business journey thinking nobody's going to tell me what to do. Um, and uh, with the best of intentions, started well, the business. I'm, I'm going to slow you down there. Let's just, let's just not rush past the, I'd be working straight into running my own business at 18. <laughs> what, what made you think, I'm going to, okay, I, I get the whole kind of, you're not going to tell me what to do, but just talk me through your mindset and thinking that set you up to, running a business at 18. Yeah, so I mean, I was it was a really large organisation that I was working with um, and I felt just like a number, you know, I didn't feel valued. I put suggestions forward and they weren't listened to and the managers were more interested in their internal politics than they were in actually improving the department that I was working in. Um, and then the final straw came when I put myself forward to go on a management training program and I was told that I wasn't allowed to go on that because I was too young. Um, so that for me was just, you know, they're just not interested in doing anything to develop not only the, the business and the department, but also people that are actually working within it. And, and without the people, the business just didn't work. So uh, that was the final straw for me. Um, and it was a bit of a 
a running joke in the family that I was a bit obsessed with cleaning um, and that's how I started you know there was no big fancy plans or targets or goals it was only ever supposed to be a part-time thing until I worked out what I really wanted to do with my life because you know at the age of 18 you don't really know uh, what it is that you truly want to do and the intention was never for it to become as big as it did it just uh, it, it sort of grew and developed over time as most businesses do so I definitely went into it with a, a real passion for cleaning um, and learn about business as I went along which is essentially how most people do do come into business it's either by circumstance um, or by you know by having that passion of being able to do something perhaps a little bit better or you know a completely new product or service that you know doesn't exist yet so yeah it's um, it's all about for me it was all about I was just passionate about cleaning and then the business came after <laughs> Yeah, is, is this was this domestic or commercial? What, what sector were you? Um, well, I made the mistake of trying to do everything, <laughs> so I went into Rule number initially... one: don't try and do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I went into it initially of of it being commercial. Um, then uh, did a little bit of dabbling in domestic, then did a little bit of dabbling with um, end of tenancy cleaning and such like that, and it very quickly became overwhelming. Uh, it very quickly became a feeling of jack of all trades, master of none, juggling lots of things and trying to um, be the, the yes person to everybody. And it just became overwhelming. So that was when I sort of had to draw a line and say, right, OK, what is the um, the best way to move the business forward? And, and the, the focus was on commercial cleaning um, in office based businesses, but in predominantly engineering, manufacturing and production. So that's that's sort of the background of the, of the cleaning company. And that's how that's how we got going, really. And to start off with, were you doing all the cleaning or were you all oh, yeah. standing? No team, just I'm going to go over and everywhere. You no give... team. <laughs> just me with my uh, mop and bucket and uh, a, bit of, uh, a bit of colour coded cloth, uh, cloths and chemicals and such. And uh, yeah, and uh, blind, uh, blind, <laughs> blind optimism, I think is probably the best word for it. Uh, yeah, so it was just me. There was no team. There was nothing. But, you know, over time, things started to grow and I did get to a position where I had to start taking staff on. And within four months, we were in I was in that position where I needed to start employing people. Four months, yeah. At what point did you stop doing the cleaning yourself? Oh, crikey. Um, far later than I probably should have done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I was probably, gosh, um, probably about six years, six or seven years in was when I actually stopped doing the day-to-day the, the -day cleaning. Um, and I could have stopped a heck of a lot earlier than I did. Um, but it's that that fear of letting go, that fear of uh, can will they do it as well as I do it, or will they look after the clients the way that I look after them, and you know, and it's that it is that fear of letting go, that fear of delegating. Mm. And also the, you know, as you said, you were passionate about the cleaning, so you were doing it. That was the thing. It's back to that whole Michael Gerber thing. You know, you're the you're the the tradesperson element of it and now you're moving up into being the, the manager and the entrepreneur it's a different skill set it's a different role it's a different passion yeah you find that transition 
uh, difficult um, because, you know, I went through the whole frustration of I'd let go a little bit, then things quite wouldn't go back how I wanted it to go. So I'd end up back in. And then, you know, I went through the the yo-yo the effect, as I call it, you know, in, out, in, out, in, out all the time, um, you know, let go of something and then things don't quite go how you want them to go. So yeah, it was a difficult transition. It was a difficult transition. But once I identified that, um, it wasn't so much me, it was the lack of structure and the lack of systems and processes. It was that that was sort of the light bulb moment for me when I realised actually if people had a, it's all right me knowing what I expect, but actually they're not mind readers and they won't, they won't know unless I tell them or write it down and make it obvious. So it was that sort of that made me realise that, you know, it needs to be more structured and there needs to be more systems and processes to enable that to happen. Was that a revelation you came up with yourself or was that by listening to other people? Where did that come from? Um, a bit of both, really. Um, so we were finding that there wasn't um, a lot of consistency in terms of service, um, you know, to, to clients and service from um, different uh, cleaners. And then we, we would identify that there was, in some respects, it was the same inconsistency. So it was the same things that were going wrong all the time. But then in others, there'd be the odd curveball every now and again that you just don't see coming. But that's life, that's business. And, you know, you don't or you can't predict everything. Um, so it was it was a little bit of a combination, really. Um, but it was the point at which I, I, I was going to the same sites, doing audits and finding the same problems consistently across sites. And then I thought there's got to be a different way of doing this there's got to be a better way of, of getting everybody to work to a, a similar if not the same standard um and it was that that i didn't the, you know that made me realize we needed to change something and, and that's where the the systems and processes began mm, yeah and because uh, there's a lot of people kind of know that they should be doing systems and processes but finding daunting don't know where to start don't know how to actually put it in place i mean what did you start very so just write things down on a bit of paper and, and start very basic or how did you and where did you start but how did you roll all that out um it was a combination of things so i brought my experience in terms of what the way in which i do it uh, obviously because of the nature of what we were doing there was a lot of health and safety involved so you have to bring in the rules and regulations and the the the, the safety side of things um, and then I uh, came across a, a, a toolkit that was quite useful, but didn't quite cover everything. So I sort of combined all three. So my my own experience and knowledge and awareness, um, the health and safety and the structure and the, the essentials, um, and then the additional stuff that I'd come across over time in terms of learning materials and things like that. So it was a, it was a, it was pulling together all those three sources to actually create something that worked specifically to how we were as a business mm. and so how to make it real in terms of with your business with your cleaning business how you rolled that out and how how a cleaner in a in an office was able to tap into the process that you'd set up so it was all um, to do with training you know it was all to do with how the cleaners were brought on board right from the interview stage through to actually you know becoming a member of the team um, and then the training process that we went through but also making sure it was as supportive and as effective as possible uh, and it was relevant to each person of every level you know um, within the cleaning industry you have a, a, a huge variety of people from all different backgrounds um, you know 
some are experienced, some are not experienced, some have learning difficulties, some don't, some, you know, have language barriers, some don't. So it's, it, it was about making it um, sort of a one size fits all, but that could be flexibly tailored to meet the person's needs of whoever it was you were training. So it was more of a, a guide than a, than a, you have to do this you know there's certain things of course that you have to do because it's health and safety um but the rest of it is just observing how they work and, and seeing okay there's a few pointers there you know rather than going in and sort of teaching your grandmother to suck eggs as the phrase uh, always used to be uh, termed it was less about that and it was more about how can we get the best out of that person and this is the structure that we use in order to do it um and and that's how it's how it was delivered really so it was tailored specifically to each pe each person mm. so yeah so it's a very just going back to that other point about the shift in terms of doing to managing you know there's that you're very much looking at how do, how do i get the best out of this team and again it goes yeah. back to that point when you were talking that original business that you left it's sort of like the, the people are the key thing and the key elements it's a very different skill very dynamic were, were you in getting a buzz out of doing that were you enjoying the sort of different way of approach actually running a business yeah. yes that? definitely i mean um i you know realized that i get a buzz from problem solving you know and and that was our, our biggest problem um and and i like to identify the patterns and i like to identify what the, the root cause of what the problem is um and actually it was that that sort of re-engaged me in, into doing it and once i'd started there was no stopping you know i was constantly saying oh well is there a better way to do this is there a better way to do that and then i was constantly just going around picking holes in things <laughs> because i wanted to make sure that everything then was working as efficiently and as effectively as, as possible and then you know you'd go through everything and you'd get it all sorted and then something else would throw a curveball at you from a different direction and and that would then be another project so i, I realized that i am very much a project driven person <laughs> and there's a danger as well isn't there because if you when your mindset's looking when you're in it, when you know you're a problem solver you're always looking for the problem and you always spot the problem so anybody that's, that's doing their day job or whatever it might be it's like oh god what's she gonna pick fault with <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we didn't. Yeah. We can fall into that trap of constantly seeing the problems and focusing on that, can't we? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where you have to become more strategic um in in terms of your problem solving and your assessment of the business because i think sometimes when you're so invested and you're so involved you don't see the problem for what it truly is you know you'll see what you think is the problem but sometimes you're so in, involved that you're a little blinded by what's actually going on and and that's where you know i was able to sort of be more strategic and that is you know what running a business is all about it's about looking at it in, in a different perspective and not being as um you know as personally involved in everything because you can't you know you can't you can't get the best out of people if you can only see your side of it you have to be able to see the whole the whole picture mm. that makes sense <laughs> oh, absolutely yeah uh, that's why you need a as often said no one ever got anywhere by doing everything by themselves yes <laughs> 100% always need a team don't you and uh, and again sometimes it's about the language isn't it because it's not always a problem it's just ways of improving things and making yeah. it better and a, an opportunity to get even faster and slicker and more efficient it's um, yeah definitely definitely and sometimes you know they don't always identify it as a problem until somebody else points it out yeah yeah and and well this is how i've always done it and yeah <laughs> <laughs> that favorite phrase 
So have you, have, had you always been a problem solver, like even through? Um, I, I think deep down, probably, yes. I, I don't think I realised it until uh, the latter, latter years of, of being in the cleaning business in, in the fact that I actually got more of a buzz of, of, of solving the problems than I did actually doing the day-to-day. -day. And that's mm. sort of where um, I came into my own, really. You know, if there was a problem, people would come to me. And then I found that other people were doing that, saying, oh, well, I've got a problem. Can you look at this? Or, you know, and, and that for me was just... It was great because it, I, I like the variety. I like the challenge, you know, and um, when things are running smoothly, it's very easy, as you said earlier, to start going around and picking holes in things. And sometimes you've got to learn to leave things alone. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's I think I have always been a problem solver. I've just had to find my way of solving the problems. And, and, and I'm a very practical, hands-on person. Um, so, you know, that's what that's my strength. Mm. And again, there could be a trap involved with that because, as you said, you, at some point you need to step back and let yeah. other people do it. So um, it's 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 getting the skills working for you, but without falling the trap of being caught into the definitely life of the day to day. Um, so so where did you take the business, uh, the cleaning business itself? Where where how did that develop? Uh, so the business continued to grow and is still growing and uh, they're doing very well. Um, they, again, focus predominantly in the engineering, manufacturing, production um, sort of environment. That is their niche um, and that is their sort of strength area. They do have other um, sort of contracts in other areas now, so you don't have all your eggs in one basket, as they say. Um, but uh, the business uh, has grown to there's just over 134 members of staff, I think now. Um, so, yeah, they're ticking along very nicely and they're doing very well. Um, I stepped out of the day to day running of that business in 2016 um, to give me the freedom to go off and do other things and explore other things and, uh, and have children and <laughs> all the things that you think are a good idea at the what time. Was the, what was the order of priority there? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, so I effectively made myself redundant uh, at the age of sort of 26 27 so yeah it was a, it was an interest, interesting transition I think at what point did you know that that's what you were doing and it became a deliberate effort to make yourself redundant with the intention of stepping away rather than oh I can suddenly do it <laughs> yeah it was always the plan uh, the plan was always for, for me to have the the flexibility of being able to sort of work um, as and when I wanted to around uh, family commitments and, and other things I think it happened earlier than I anticipated uh, the first time I did it it didn't quite go to plan and that's when I realized there was more gaps than I perhaps thought there were talk, talk, um, talk us through that that's interesting so. yeah so the first time I, I came away from the business um there was more questions being fired at me and it was at that point I realized that, that perhaps people were relying on me more than they needed to um so they just needed to have the empowerment to make decisions by themselves and and you know have that confidence that um you know that they didn't always need my approval for everything um, you brought in a new management team and then you try to break away and the management team were asking you questions or were you still getting direct questions from the ground what how um a little bit of both so a lot of clients would still want to speak to me because they mm. had the relationship with me uh, which was fine you know I've always got time for clients and you know that's 
still have the odd client every now and again that will just ring me up. And nine times out of 10, it's not actually to do with cleaning. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, people that had built that relationship with me and that were struggling sort of with the transition of speaking to somebody else, if they've got a problem, they were so used to just picking up the phone to me and saying, I've got a problem with this. And me being like, OK, yeah, I'll sort it. And then actually me remembering that I know I've got to delegate that down now because I was so used to and I hadn't realised that I'd still been doing that until I stepped away and then people were still ringing me thinking why are you ringing me I don't do day-to-day -day anymore and then I realised it's because I'd actually not you know I've not done that transition really with the clients as much as as probably I could have done um, and you know just um, the, the staff the person that was in there to manage the business on a day-to-day -day had come uh, had come up from you know being a team leader so obviously she um, was building her confidence uh, uh, as being sort of day-to-day -day management. So there were a number of things and, and none of them were drastic. You know, none of them were um, unsolvable. It's just little things that happen afterwards and you think, oh, I didn't think about that or I've not considered that and, and bits and pieces. So yeah, so the first time I stepped away, it wasn't as smooth as I anticipated. Um, uh, but, you know, you learn from, you learn from doing it. And that, I know that transition away from the client-focused stuff, and the fact they've got your number and you've got that relationship. I know a lot of people struggle with that because, again, that's a bit that they love. They love talking to the clients and have that human contact and relationship. And, and again, that passing and get, passing that responsibility on to somebody else. The client doesn't want to speak to somebody junior. They want to speak to me. <laughs> kind of. How did you manage that transition from customers down to other people away from you? Um, a lot of it was down to communication. Um, you know, a lot of it was down to letting them know that, um, that, you know, I, I was not available at that time, you know, if there was a meeting that they wanted, it would be, you know, very much a case of, oh, I'll send such and such and they'll, they'll be able to look after you because I've got another engagement or, um, and it, I, it became more obvious uh, to them when I was pregnant uh, as well, you know, that I wasn't always going to be able to just drop everything and go to them, you know, so that was in, in, in a way a help um but uh, but yeah so it was uh, it, that for me was a, a realization I've really got to let go now you know and there's certain things that I'd still held on to that perhaps even I hadn't realized um but then when I was pregnant I knew you know I couldn't I couldn't go on to an industrial site with a, a newborn because it just doesn't work so it was very much a case of right are we doing a handover now a proper handover and you guys are going to have to accept that this person's going to be here they're going to look after you and whilst I'm still happy to have conversations I can't be trudging around here with a newborn strapped to my chest and and still you know delivering uh, delivering site work so it was very much a bit of a realization for them and for me uh, that at some point they've just got to let go and um and like I said I never let go you know I still have if, if any of my clients were to ring me now I would still have the conversation with them but they know it wouldn't be me putting anything into action it would be the team um so over time they begin to realize that you know uh, as much as we love to talk all the time um you know it's 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 not me that's going to be fixing it so they get used to actually well I'll just ring the person that's going to solve the problem because it'll be quicker and more efficient <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's almost like one of those things where you do not this but it's almost like you do a bad job so you never have asked to do it again let's pass up to somebody who can actually sort the problem out yeah it sounds like a good idea yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> definitely um but I, I love the fact that and and you know it's a common thing but you know we're working with customers and working with your team it's all just about ver being very clear and communicating things it what, is 100 you decide what the boundaries that you want and then you just let everybody know yeah definitely definitely not as simple as that but in principle it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's much easier to say than to do <laughs> 
So, um, so motherhood comes around. Are you able to completely divorce yourself from the business at that point? It's it's just sailing without you, or are you still? Is there a point where you're sort of baby in one arm and phone on the other? Um, well, I went back to work a lot earlier than I should uh, with my uh, with my first, but that was because it was uh, it felt normal to be at work. I was suffering with uh, postnatal depression and I had uh, post traumatic stress disorder from the trauma of of having my son. So I went back to work. Uh, to feel normal and to feel human and I didn't need to be there they didn't need me nor did they really want me <laughs> uh, but uh, for me it was what what I could do to feel normal um, so yeah so I, I was at that point I was involved in another business as well so I sort of shared my time equally between the two businesses um, but uh, yeah I didn't need to be there it, it was more my choice uh, uh, to try and feel human again <laughs> And if, if you're okay to talk about it, is it was it was it a traumatic birth in itself? Is there the complications? Is that what caused the problem? Was uh, it was quite traumatic in terms of the way in which um, uh, my son was brought into the world. It was probably more traumatic for me because I was on all sorts of drugs and medication, and uh, uh, you know, and I'm a bit of what they call a lightweight. <laughs> so um, when I looked back, and I, I had to go through some therapy and some counselling to to sort of assess how how it all happened, and if you listen to to my husband's story of how my son was born and you listen to my story of how my son was born they're very different um but uh, but yeah it was very much a shock and one that I wasn't prepared for physically or mentally um and uh, yeah the knock-on effect to that was um yeah I had the postnatal depression and I was struggle struggled with the bonding process and everything else because I just didn't I didn't feel like me anymore you know and it was a really tough um a tough time and also something that I went through for quite a long period of time before I actually identified that there was something wrong mm. um, and I think that's quite common with postnatal depression you know you people will suffer and they think it's just the baby blues or they think oh just feeling a bit rubbish or I'm tired because I've got a newborn or, or whatever but actually you know looking back now um it was probably about eight or nine months before I actually realized that there was something wrong with me and I needed to I needed to speak to a professional about it so uh, so yeah so I was able to to get back on track and uh, yeah what what, uh, what was the thing that made you realize oh god <laughs> uh, a combination of things my physical health had declined quite significantly and, and up to that point I'd always been a fairly healthy person um, and just lack of energy lack of um, motivation to want to do things and um, and feeling the guilt of not being fully connected to, to my son as well, which was a real hard thing because, you know, you, all the magazines you read and all the programs you watch and, you know, oh, the baby's born and you love your baby instantly. And, and I didn't get that. You know, I, I was absolutely off my head on medication. There was drugs. There was people everywhere. It was a really traumatic experience. They took him away because he wasn't breathing. And, you know, the whole the whole um, experience of that, I didn't get that bond, that golden moment that, you know, one born every minute, perfect baby born in 30 minutes and they look pink and fluffy. You know, they, I didn't get that. I, you know, I got a whole different experience and a whole different feeling and a different emotion. And uh, and yeah, it took me a, a long time to come to terms with that, that, I, that I'd got that issue and that I needed to work through it. And you said it was that sort of eight months later. So had, had you started going back to work at this point? Or oh, I went to back to work about 10 days after I had him. Right, okay. Yeah, because I just wanted to feel like a human. <laughs> and this is about not feeling yourself again. Yeah. Like, go back to work, then I'll be who I was before. Yeah. 
definitely definitely and I was as well one of those really um I was one of those really arrogant mothers you know I was pregnant and I was like oh look at me I'm glowing and you know I was pregnant and didn't really look pregnant I didn't feel pregnant I had no um I, I worked right up until a week before he was born I, I just carried on you know pregnancy did not impact me and it was like I'm, everything was controlled everybody knew what they were doing and then all of a sudden I had no control you know there was no plan there was no control over how he was born and, and there was no control over anything and it was such a shock to go from being everything's calm and everything's everything's organized and everybody knows what they're doing to all of a sudden we've got this chaotic situation and then that's it you've got a baby and you know you've got to do everything you can for that baby but also you can't look after yourself you don't really know how to look after yourself especially with you know the trauma and the consequences of certain things that had to be done um, my body didn't feel the same and everything was different and I had a lot of infections and, and they, I was really poorly um, and that was the knock-on effect of I no longer was looking at myself I was just trying to keep this baby healthy and you know and he was fine he was none the wiser of his ordeal he was perfectly happy healthy little boy um, thankfully you know I know it's not the same for everybody so you know for him it was just normal but for me it was like wow this is just absolutely turned my entire life upside down and and it was just it was it was chaos <laughs> which is the furthest thing away from me as a person oh exactly everything you're talking about is, is order and processes and systems and you're a problem solver as well yeah but then suddenly you say those are all out the window total chaos and all of these problems the things you can't control or do anything yeah. about that's outside of your hands yeah um, and, and you know when you started going through the therapy and the counseling and that sort of thing were these what, what did you learn from that about yourself uh that i'm a control freak <laughs> and um and i don't do very well on uh, lots of medication um because <laughs> i'm very much a lightweight uh but yeah i think for, for me is that you know you, you can't control all situations and 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 sometimes your perception of something is very different to, to, to what's really going on. Um, so I suppose it's similar to, to in business when you've got a problem and you think you know what it is. It's not actually when you look at it from somebody else's perspective, actually, it was it was a different situation. And it's the same, you know, when 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 I spoke earlier of, of you know, I went through the therapy and we went through this exercise of, well, what was your husband's um you know ex you know turn of events and how did he see it how did he feel what did he you know what did he hear and, and and was he you know obviously involved in the whole process versus my story and the things that i'd felt and everything that i'd you know the loss of control and you know everything was crazy and there's people everywhere and then you listen to my husband and it's just a totally different story so two totally different perspectives um of essentially the exact same situation you know we were both there we were both in the room and yes obviously it was emotional and uh, and, and everything else but my story is it you would think that there was a war happening you know whereas with my husband he was like no it was all calm everybody knew what they were doing it's quite normal for these things to happen and I was like we didn't bloody feel normal <laughs> it felt the furthest thing from normal it was it was just out you know you know out of my control mm. yeah absolutely and um you know, and and again, it's the the, the the going back to the system and process element of it. It's uh, you know before I need to talk about being control freak, and that might have been how you saw it at the start. But I'm I'm wondering if you have a different perspective on it now, because in my view, it's something you you want these things in place to get consistency and improvement and and that kind of thing. But it's it's not about actually control. It's almost the reverse. Yeah, it's a step away. 
yeah so for, for me it's it's more about um you know the the I suppose it is the control, but it's also the calm and knowing that everybody knows what's going on. And, and you know, when I look back now, I think, well, everybody knew what was happening. I wasn't at drastic risk. My son was, you know, they were doing what they could with my son and they had a plan for if things didn't go to go how they wanted it to go. But because obviously of my perspective on the situation there and then, you know, I was, um, you know, I'd, I'd got a lot of um, drugs in my system as well which doesn't help you know um and yeah it, it for me it was just the the um you know just seeing it from from different perspectives and and, and like I say sometimes it's less about your idea of control and somebody else's idea of control is very different um and order and and calm and, and you know can be different depending on whose eyes you're looking at it through mm. yeah because as I say they did have a plan they did have a process they did know what they were doing but whether it was the drugs or whatever you weren't aware of it so again it's that back to that communication yeah. as long as everyone knows what's working then it takes away the anxiety yeah exactly, so, exactly. and drugs doesn't help with that because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know it's one of those anxiety is basically you don't know what the rules are that's yeah that's what it comes to it is uncertainty it's why so much is around at the moment because we're all sort of on edge and yeah what, what, what's happening next and what's going and that's that's yeah. where it comes from so we then we then create our own rules in our own head don't tell anybody about those rules and then get annoyed when somebody else breaks them exactly exactly um back to the thing so how long did it take you to feel like you again uh, quite a while I think or, it was, or should I say a new version of you perhaps I don't know uh, yeah I think it is I, I definitely think it is a new version of me um you know I, I started to get back on an even keel I started to feel a little bit better uh, and then subsequently found out I was pregnant again and so that was absolutely terrifying because um again a totally different pregnancy um I couldn't work during my second pregnancy because I was ill all the time produce very different hormones when you're bringing a girl into the world than you do when you're bringing a boy so I had a totally opposite pregnancy with my daughter um but you know she she came into the world in a totally different way and it was perfect and it was calm and it was organized <laughs> and um and it was an entirely different situation so I did get that bond I did get that connection and you know and I did get that time that I didn't get with my son so yeah I, I have a whole new appreciation for ladies who have children and who have been through that process and and I also don't think that um it's talked about enough you know I don't think that it, you know um, the the knock-on effect of, of childbirth and how it can affect you uh, and not only affect me but also affect my, my relationship with my husband and with other people around me because I keep telling everybody I'm fine but actually I wasn't and they were like well we know you're not but we can't say anything because we don't want to upset you and it's that you know it's, again it's all down to communication it's the same in in, in business as it is in personal and um, if you're not having those conversations people don't know and it's it's knowing how to approach it and you know how to have those conversations so yeah I think I'm very much a different person now than I was um you know three or four years ago and and you know I've been through the whole process of therapy and understanding it and, and understanding how trauma can you know affect you in different ways especially in terms of um you know the emotion attached to it and the the the, the stress and the anxiety and the you know the the, the trauma the depression it's it's all connected but you don't always see it you know it's 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 so different and other people would see 
changes in my behavior but no but and you and you sort of come out the other end and people say well we did notice you were a bit different you think well why didn't you say anything and they'll say well because either they didn't they felt uncomfortable they didn't want to sort of seem like they were you know um judging me or, or or whatever it was that they didn't want to sort of stand up and say are you all right because they know I'd have just said yeah I'm fine I'm fine <laughs> when really I wasn't and it's not the go-to is it oh they're behaving a bit differently maybe they're going through depression it's not your automatic thought process and obviously they need to see a pattern over time yeah and um, not only that you know a different um everybody who experiences depression or any sort of mental health issue whether it's trauma related or whether it's not trauma related or you know it, it depending on everybody's situation is different but everybody will experience depression in a different way you know the emotions will be different and sometimes you'll go a long time and you don't realize you're depressed you're just feeling a bit rubbish you're just feeling a bit frustrated you're just feeling a bit tired or you you know you're lacking something but you don't always identify that it's mm. depression because um you've never been depressed before and you don't know what depression feels like to you um i think it's it's talked about a lot but it's not really understood you yeah. know and i think that's a, a really key point in there that's that's missed out uh in the support groups because the general theme at the moment is it's okay not to be okay make sure you talk yeah. to people all that kind of thing well that suggests you know what's going on that suggests you're deliberately hiding something which yeah. does happen i totally get that and oh yeah but yeah, there's that window beforehand where you don't, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do there? <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I just tried everything I could to be normal, to feel normal. I went to work, I put makeup on, I, you know, I, I, I dressed up. I didn't, you know, if you'd have seen me for the first 12 months of, uh, of my son's life, I never looked like a mum. I always looked like a business person. I always looked like I was always dressed to go somewhere. I was always dressed to meet clients and dressed to have conversations. And, you know, it's very different now. You know, I have two totally different sort of hats. I have my mum hat <laughs> where we, where we, you know, are digging in the garden and we're, you know, doing all the things that you do with little ones, um, you know, and we, and, and the silly silly activities and the, the the tickling and you know just all the things that we do you know to engage with them and to play with them and to you know um, and and to you know when you're chasing them around the house playing games and stuff um but then you know if you'd have seen me for the first sort of 12 probably the first two years of my son son's life you I would never have been doing any of that because it just didn't feel normal you know uh, whereas now it's chaos <laughs> it's chaos on a daily basis <laughs> I, uh, one of my uh, views on life is that to be truly successful, you have to be comfortable in chaos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because yes, like say, create order where you can, but yeah, get used to it. I, I mean, would you, if you look back at your previous version of you, would, would you say you're a perfectionist in the past? Oh yeah, definitely. Because it sounds like, you know, that, that sort of everything's going to be right and, and I don't feel right, but I'm going to put the stuff on, I'm going to put that shield on, I'm going to put that makeup on and I'm going to look perfect to the world. Yeah. Yeah, and it is. It's it's this it's this miscon. It's the fear of being judged. It's the fear of what people are going to say. It's the fear of I don't want people to think that just because I've had a baby I can't function. And, and nobody was thinking that. You know, nobody thinks that. That's crazy. But it's just the things that go through in your in your mind. Um, just because I've had a baby doesn't mean I can't still do stuff. And it's like, well, you can, but no, you know, you don't need to. And it's the it's the fear of letting go. It's the fear of becoming something else, somebody else. You know, and and having children is um, is a challenge. You know, in in whichever way you look at it. And you know, I always look back and think, well, before before children, 
I could do what I wanted when I wanted. I could speak to clients whenever I wanted. I could interact with people whenever I wanted. And, and then all of a sudden, I'd gone from having no routine, no structure. I worked when I wanted to work. I went out when I wanted to go out to, to almost becoming, you know, this whole, and my son thrives on structure. So he is a mini me. Um, he has to go to bed at a certain time. He likes his meals at a certain time. And he was like clockwork as a baby with his feeding. You know, it was absolutely on the hour. Every four hours, you, you could set your watch by him, um, which is ironic, really. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and I loved having the structure before, but then all of a sudden when it's, when it's somebody else's structure and it's a whole different structure, it's, it's learning to adapt. And, and that for me was mind blowing, you know, it's sort of a, a real, okay, you've got to grow up now and you've got to stop just living a different life. And it's, it's very, it's very, very different, very mm. different. And, and it's all about getting that balance right, because it's, you know, perfectionism is an extreme, but you do need some structure and being yes. in chaos, total chaos is too much, but you sometimes you need to loosen up and it's getting that yeah. balance between the two, isn't it? Yeah, and I identify as well now when I'm being a bit too particular, you know, when I'm being yeah, certain, especially with the children as well, um, you know, I will identify, well, actually, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect all the time and, you know, uh, certain things that they're doing, especially now with homeschooling, you know, we, we, we have to learn to adapt and sort of, work with them in a different way and you know help them to understand it in a way that is relevant to them and it's not about being perfect it's just about building that you know relationship and the confidence as well you know building confidence is a big thing yeah and I think these last few, few months years whatever uh, have helped with that I've had a few conversations on this about the you know with the 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 lockdown the zoom meeting happening and, and people are kind of used to kids running around in the background <laughs> and cats running across the keyboard and people not being dressed as smartly and it, and it allows people to be a little bit more relaxed a little bit more normal and connect a bit better as well I think, I think so I think so yeah yeah I'm, I'm learning more to talk about my PTSD and postnatal depression mm. now I think it's more more prevalent and it sort of opens them up to say you know none of us are perfect what uh, what did you what, I'm just intrigued because it's areas I get into but um with like the PTSD and stuff, what, what obviously you, you you talked, what other techniques were you using and stuff in the sort of camp? Um, so it was actually, huh, yeah, okay. So I had a, an emergency kidney operation in 2019 and um, that triggered the same emotion and the same reaction to what I had after I had my son. <clears throat> because when I came round from the anesthetic, there was an empty baby box in the recovery room and I absolutely lost my mind and I was screaming at the ladies what have you done with my baby boy where is he you can't take him away from me and all the rest of it and it was at that point when the obviously when I came round and I calmed down <laughs> and the lady had pinned me firmly back into the bed and said you need to calm down um as I came out, obviously I, I profusely apologised, but the lady had said it's absolutely fine they deal with these things all the time and it's a trauma related incident and I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you had a traumatic birth, didn't you? And I said, well, yeah, I suppose so. And she said, no, you had a traumatic birth. People don't come round from anaesthetics like that and have that kind of reaction unless something really serious happened. Um, and it was kind of that that made me realise that there was, it was a trauma-related um, depression um, because up to that point, I had still thought, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I was doing coaching and I was doing a bit of counselling uh, 
because of my connection with my son but it wasn't until I had that emergency surgery that it made me realize that I had post-traumatic stress disorder as well and it was that and when I when I sort of brought that into the conversations that I've been having with the counselor and she was like right okay so this is another thing that we then need to work through um and it was it was that emergency surgery that was like wow okay because it was the same feeling of loss of control um, I'd gone from being perfectly fine and healthy one day to two days later I'm being rushed into emergency hospital and my kidneys were failing and they needed to operate immediately otherwise you know it could have had a really serious knock-on effect um, I had to leave my children literally my husband dropped me off at the door at A&E and, and I was like oh, I'll be home in a few hours you know it was that it was that naivety that ignorance um, of oh they'll just give me a tablet because we're going on holiday this afternoon no chance you know it was it was again that loss of control that loss of knowing what was um knowing what was going to happen to me um and again they put me on drugs because obviously i had to have drugs to deal with the pain and um obviously because obviously it's all related to the the kidney and the some of the medication that i was on was similar to the medication in terms of the pain medication that i was on when i had my son so when you look at the the similarities of the incident um and when i say i was on drugs i mean i was on iv paracetamol that's how much of a lightweight i am it just knocks me unconscious um so i, I if, if i have iv paracetamol within one hour i will be unconscious and there'll be no there'll be no bringing me around because i am such a I'm, i don't drink i don't take drugs i'm such a lightweight and 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 it's it was it's that and the knock-on effect obviously i had to have morphine and other stuff obviously after i had my surgery and things but it, it, it was that um, it was that moment when I came round from that operation and I was screaming. And the worst thing about it was I'd only had my daughter five months earlier and I never once questioned where she was. Mm. I was only interested in what this woman had done with my son. Wow. Um, and I was absolutely raging and she's like just calm down your son's fine she says you haven't had a baby and I was like I've had a baby boy don't tell me I've not got a baby boy I know I've got a baby boy and it was it was all connected to the trauma mm, and it was reliving that That's oh yeah 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 because obviously for me um the, obviously the trauma of, of, of Isaac being born and they put him in the, the those glass those perspex baby boxes and they wheeled him off and they were doing breathing you know stuff on him and getting him and for me it felt like it felt like hours before he took his first breath and and it was only seconds if not if not minutes um in fact, I don't even think it was that long but for me it felt like I felt like I've been waiting for an hour for him to breathe and it wasn't it was just there was so much chaos going on there were so many people in and they've got a wall of students watching everything that was going on and there's people there stitching everything back up and it's like oh no I can't <laughs> I just I literally had no control over my body over my thoughts over my mind over my child and I just remember screaming at Daniel saying go with him wherever he goes go with him and Daniel's like he's in the same room he's just here and I'm like I don't don't leave him don't leave him I don't want him to go anywhere and he never left the room they never even left the room they just went slightly off to one side to give the the, the doctor time uh, you know space and the environment in which to sort me out while the pediatricians were working on him and they'd got a team in there and they were making sure that he was okay and 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 he was all bruised and battered and he looked um 
he looked a lot worse, but he was none the wiser, you know, for him, he was, he was quite a happy baby and he was very well, you know, to look at him now, you would never know, but um, it is, it was the trauma and it was just the whole environment and the loss of control. And like I say, it was when I had my, my surgery, my emergency, emergency surgery that highlighted actually that, that there was a problem there with PTSD as well as postnatal depression. Mm. Yeah. So it was the trauma that brought it on. Yeah, yeah. And PTSD, a lot of that is about identity that we were talking about in our conversation, you know, that identity of who I am and in, in those moments and all that lack of control yeah. kicks in with it. So, so the, 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 what, when resolving and dealing with the PTSD and the therapy, what sort of techniques did you use to um, not so much techniques I think it's been more about talking about it and being more open about it and being I think for me um, I understand it now you know I understand the emotional connection I understand the um, you know I understand why I understand that, that it was the lack of control it was the chaos it was the chaos it was the going from being perfectly fine to being totally out of control of my own body and thoughts within a matter of hours um, the length of time. So I was in labor with my son for four days and my emergency surgery was four days from having experienced pain to actually having emergency surgery. So the similarities in terms of time frames and, and, and everything else. So um, for me, it was all about understanding it better and coming to terms with it and having those conversations. And I'm still working on, you know, building the relationship with my son because I know that I never bonded with him. Um, but with my daughter, it's a totally different, it's a feel, it's a different feeling, it's a different emotion, it's a different power. Uh, but with my son, it's it's completely different. And and there's a there's a there's a difference there. There always has been, and there probably always will be, but it's how I can overcome it and how I can not allow it to affect our relationship moving forward. And and he doesn't know, you know, maybe I don't know, he's he's too young really, but you know, he he won't he will identify that there's a different bond between me and I than there is with me and him, but um, and I have to, I, I do try harder with him than I do with Ivy because with Ivy, it's just there. With Isaac, it never was. So I feel like I, I try harder with him than I do with her. And it's things like that. You know, there's, there's, there's more work to be done on this. I am by no means finished. <laughs> um, and what we would call a work in progress. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still a lot of work to be done. But I don't think, you know, I don't think you ever get over it, really. I think you just come to terms with it and you learn to live with it and you, you become better at it. Um, I'm more comfortable with it now than I probably was two years ago. Um, and I'm more open about it and I'm more honest about it. But, you know, we've all got our demons. You know, there's all everybody's had experiences and had, um, you know, different things that have happened to them that shape their lives. And it's what makes us who we are. Absolutely. And, you know, I think PTSD is quite a lot more prevalent in the business world than people are aware of even individuals like you know you had absolutely no idea but um i've, I've met work with quite a few people who had it i'm interviewing somebody tomorrow who's just realized he's he's got complex ptsd you know it's yeah. and, and it's you know we just have this media image of it's all about going to war and that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. trauma, trauma can bring it on but it's rarely the thing that that presents itself like you you look at the operation oh we no no it, it goes back to something before that before yeah that. yeah and it's like you know I mean I had as a as a young adult 
I had some therapy over um, what, what is commonly known as daddy issues, <laughs> you know, and I had some therapy about that because I had um, a failed relationship and it was that, that same feeling of rejection and why has he done this to me and what did I do wrong and why wasn't I good enough and, you know, what, and I, I mean, I was, I was, a, I, I still considered, you know, I was a child, I was 21, you know, and, and my life was over, you know, everything was just a disaster and I look back now and I think, oh, bless. <laughs> um, because um, you haven't got a clue at that age you know it was my first proper you know full relationship you know it was it was a whole different experience but it brought back the whole um you know the whole rejection from my biological father and all the rest of it and you know and that was a process that I had to go through and, and a process of understanding and a process of why I do things the way I do and you know when I met my husband it was one of the first things that I told him you know I will actively push you away when we have an argument I will do everything in my power to get you to leave because if you leave it fulfills my predetermined beliefs that you're going to leave anyway <laughs> and if you if you leave on my terms it's not so bad but if you leave on your own terms it's rejection you know and, and um and it's and and this was a whole conversation that I had with my husband when we first met you know it's like you know whenever we have an argument the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is pack up your bags and feel free to leave anytime the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is you know I know you don't want to be here anyway because that is a predetermined thing and we still have arguments now um and every now and again I'll slip back and I'll be like I know you don't want to be here anyway and it's like okay, it's a dishwasher. We don't need to go into this full-on rage about everything else. I will do the dishwasher later, sit down, have a cup of tea, calm yourself down, you know? And it's it's just how things escalate and how things come over time. And again, it's all down to communication. Yeah, yeah. All down to communication, you know? And it, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, we do have these, you know, no marriage is perfect, but we do have these odd spats every now and again. And it's usually something so simple, so you know so stupid like can you empty the dishwasher and if he doesn't do the dishwasher there and then it's like right that's it you're leaving <laughs> you know and it's it, obviously it's all about your mindset and where you're at, at the time but I had to go through that whole process of understanding why my go-to is you're leaving me you're going you're and it's it's all to do with the rejection that I felt from my biological father and it's absolutely crazy but it's, it's, it happens, you know, and, it, and I mean, don't get me wrong, my biological dad didn't do anything bad to me, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you look at what other people suffer, but, um, you know, people experience emotions in a different way. And it's just about how you process them and how you understand them and how you, you know, obviously go through this whole thing. But I think having been through a number of different scenarios and, and this incessant need for me to understand everything <laughs> is kind of helpful because I think it will give me a better it makes me more understanding to other people and their needs. It makes me more aware that an emotion for me and an emotion for you would display totally differently, depending on your background and my background and our experiences in life and in relationships and everything else. Um, but also it helps me to just understand other people better. Uh, and I'm not perfect. I would not want to be working in mental health for any length of period of time. But, you know, it's, it's understanding what's underneath and what's causing those true beliefs and those true issues and um, yeah it's been a real interesting process for me and it's helped me to connect with people better I think mm. and again you know exactly because of the fact that you're aware of that the fact that you communicate to your husband how you are going to behave yeah you can then work with that and I suspect there'll be a point which gets sooner and sooner to the moment where you have a laugh about it and he says oh this oh, is yeah. that and that disperses all the energy and go oh god yes I am aren't you and you've got a different yeah. level of communication 
yeah, and, and his and his phrase is, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Should I go get, get back, back in your now? box? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it is, it's just it's just a pattern of behavior. But then it's also helped me to identify certain things like obviously with my husband and his history, you know, and I'll I'll see patterns in his behavior and I'll be like, right, okay, well that connects to this. And he's not um he's not into mental health at all. He's a salt of the earth kind of guy. Mental health is not a thing for him, you know, he's very um, I don't have mental health um, but he understands my um, need for it this is where we are totally opposite if you if you on paper we should not work and all that but you know um, but it helps me to understand him better you know I can see changes in his behavior and changes in his mood and changes in in him and it helps me to sort of be able to help or not help and sometimes he'll want to talk about it sometimes he won't you know men don't like to talk about things as much as ladies do but he <laughs> is a lot more open um because he knows that i'll just keep bugging until he tells me anyway so he's he's learned that i'll just say what is going on and then we'll sort it and then we'll all move on <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. and and you know i think you're there's an element of um oh, what's the word brain gone dead emotional intelligence should we, that's probably the best thing the first thing that comes to yeah. mind that that's uh, empathy that kind of thing but you, you you seem to have that at quite a young age um when yeah. you're talking about and so that that was always there but then with the the intellect and the research and the and learning more and all the rest of it you're able to apply it even better in English. Yeah. i would say up until sort of um up until I went through that first experience of counselling at the age of 20 or 21 or however old I was, I think it was 21, up until that point, I would say my emotional intelligence was pretty much non-existent. Um, or, well, it, it, it was not as in-depth as it is now. recognise it, but what, and you, you, it's only in hindsight maybe that you spot things. But you and you first started talking about when I was 18 and I was working that, in that large organisation and they... Mm everything you were talking about was actually connected to emotional intelligence. Yeah, I suppose so. About, this is how it should work, don't just do this. And you yeah. it. So you may not have identified it at the time. Perhaps you. not. <laughs> not yeah. And I think as well, for me, it's about, um, it's, a, it's about connecting on a different level. You know, it's about yeah. connecting on a different level and understanding, well, actually, what's the emotion behind it? What's the, what's the you know, what's causing that? Because there's something that, there's always a reason for everything. And, and this is my need for problem solving as well, you know. Well, why? Why does it work? I feel like a toddler sometimes. Why? Why? Why does that work? Why doesn't that work? Why doesn't this connect to that? And, it, and it's weird because I was, people say, you know, one day your kids are going to say this to you and you're going to absolutely hate them. But actually, I really enjoy it. When they come to me and they say, why, why? And it's like, and I like to go into the detail and explain to them, well, this is because of this. And, you know, why can't I go to school, mummy? Well, because there's a bit of a virus and people are getting poorly. So, you know, and it's it's bizarre because it's the one thing that I thought I would hate and everyone keeps saying, oh, they'll, you'll hate it. But when they're asking me why, I like to be able to give them the answers because there's always an, there's always an explanation. Um, and sometimes you get asked really why and you don't know the answer to it. And then that's it to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. Oh, I don't know. Let's look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I was driving through Rotherham the other day. We were on the 
the post box run, as I call it. So uh, we drive to the different offices and collect the post and do all that and check everything. And the last two times we've done it, I've had my son in the car and he sits in the front seat and he's pointed at these things on the top of the buildings at um, Forge Masters and at Liberty Steels and there's another place that we go past. And every single time we go past and he'll say, Mummy, what's that? And I'll say, I don't know, mate, I'll look at it. And of course, because you're driving, obviously you can't look on your phone, you can't research it. But um, by chance, last week I was driving through and um, we were temporary traffic lights, so the traffic could come to a complete stop. And he's like, Mummy, what's that? And I was like, damn, I don't know, but I've got to find out. And then because obviously we were at a complete stop, I was like, quick, I'll grab my phone, I'll take a photo. Um, so I grabbed my phone out of the glove box, I took a photo, I was like, when we get home, I promise you, I'm going to tell you why there are those things on the top of the buildings. And I did some more research, and um, they're just, they're like, a, it's a different form of extraction. Uh, obviously for the for the silos on the bit on the um, on the, the the manufacturing plant and stuff like that so I've got an interest in stuff like this anyway and it's just a comment and it's so frustrating when they ask you why and you've not got the answer and it was like I've got to find out what those things are because even I'm looking at them now thinking why do they have them on the top of there <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I think as a as a as a species I think you know one of our separations from non-humans is that asking the why yeah I mean, think back to it's not just a case of oh here's a tool that works and therefore it's a better way of catching food or whatever it might be it's like how does that work yeah. <laughs> why does it do that why does the sun move across the sky why does and yeah that, why is that thing that leads us forward so it's a powerful powerful tool it is yeah so that is my sort of question to everything is why why why, why did it work like that <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's yeah. And that's sort of where I've, again, been able to identify that I'm more of a problem solver than I perhaps realise because I have to know why all the time. Mm. Um, whereas people like my husband are the total opposite. You know, you're just telling that that, that sky is blue. And he's like, okay, fine, that's fine. we'll just carry on with what I'm doing because he's not interested. He's just yeah. interested in what he's doing. He's one track minded and it, that's it. Nothing's going to get in his way. Whereas I'm like, oh, why is that? And what's and why does that work? And what's it connected to? And stuff like that. But I think that's where my fascination with engineering comes because obviously we worked in engineering and manufacturing for so long um you know it was well why doesn't the cleaning work around that production sequence well what can we do to make it work better and well how does this production sequence work does it go to stage one stage two stage three or does it go stage one five three two because you know we need to know that so that we can build a cycle around it so that the system of cleaning works around the system of production um and it was great. I loved it. You know, we used to go in and we used to clean around certain machines at certain times when they were to just cause the absolute least amount of disruption as possible. Because at the end of the day, whatever those machines aren't running, it's costing them money. And we want to make sure that our service works around those machines to make sure that they're as productive and as effective as possible. And that's why we loved engineering cleaning. You know, we loved it because, it, well, we still do. I mean, I don't do that so much anymore, but I do like going in and saying, OK, well, why does that work? And where does it go when it goes from there? Well, and when you've made all this, what's it for? <laughs> um, but, you know, we work with companies that... Um, make magnetic components that go into like mclaren formula one vehicles you know and stuff like that and you think well we make this in sheffield you know it's a it's a tiny 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 thing that goes into a bigger thing that makes a bigger machine and all these little magnets go in and they all communicate with each other and it's it's you don't ever learn if you don't ask why you know brilliant so what uh, what brought you back into the the work environment 
Um, so for me, um, I was approached by a few people that had got a few challenges in their business. Um, they didn't really know what to do, what angle to take, whether or not to um, grow or to stay as they were, or in some cases, whether or not to even carry on with their business. And really these um, people you already knew that. Yeah, people that I'd already got relationships with um, through business. And yeah, so I started working with a number of different people on a number of different projects. Um, again, just sort of taking a step back, helping them to look at their business differently, helping them to assess what needs work and what doesn't and, you know, what areas to focus on in order to get that improvement. And, and a lot of it was around them feeling frustrated. They were feeling stuck in a rut, uh, whether or not it was them personally or they weren't getting the performance from their team or they didn't feel like they were making enough money from their business. There were so many different examples that I could give. Um, and it, it was about just helping them to get out of the rut that they found themselves in. I often say it's like being in a hamster wheel. You know, they work so hard, but they never actually go anywhere. They're just going around and around, around in circles. And it's, it's a cycle that they get themselves into. Um, and so it's nice to have somebody that can sort of come along and, and add a whole different perspective to the way in which they're looking at things and just pull them away a little bit from what it is that they're doing and thinking and feeling and say, okay, let's look at this a different way and, and, and let's assess it a different way and then make decisions based on that rather than what they're feeling. Um, so, yeah, making it less personal, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, because we, 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 people run their own business. It's such a passionate thing. It's something we're so yeah. um, we are, Our identity starts melding within the two things. And it's important that we're passionate. But, yeah, we also need that separation to say it's a business, it's a structure. Yeah to make it work exactly and you know so many people they set up their business and they rush off and they make all these plans and they're amazing you know they're like 60 pages long these business plans and they've got cash flow forecasts and they've got you know projections and all these things and whilst all that is amazing and you know and it's great to have it only takes three or four or five things to just happen that send you slightly off plan and then that plan will be sat on the shelf and it'll never be looked at ever again because they're not following what they started in the first place. You know, they get distracted so easily. And especially when you're juggling all the hats, you know, you're doing everything. You're the accountant, the HR, the marketing person, the social media expert. And, you know, you're wearing all these hats and you're delivering this, the service yourself. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, when you are the person that is not only delivering, but also trying to run a business, it, it can become just so overwhelming. And it only takes three or four things to just send you off in a different direction. And before you know it, you're three or four years in, you've never looked at your plan since you were six months old. And now you're, you're struggling. You know, you get to that point where you just think, well, what am I doing wrong? Because, you know, I wrote a plan. <laughs> but just because you write a plan doesn't mean it will go to plan. And sometimes you have to be more, you have to have that flexibility and you have to have that adaptability. And that's something that I learned from, you know, you know, I wrote no end of business plans in the past and it didn't work out because it's not necessarily about the plan. It's about being able to adapt. And, and for me, so I focus more on strategy, um, which is, OK, well, what do you want and how are we going to get there? You know, it's all right having all these plans, but if you've got no idea how you're going to make it happen, it's, it's pointless because they're just going to sit on the shelf. So for, for me, my focus is more about how, what actions are we going to take? What activities are we going to do to get you to where you want to, to get to in business and in life? I'm guessing a few systems and processes will come into place. Of course. <laughs> of course. I love a good system and process. <laughs> but again, that's another thing people do. You know, they think, oh, I've got to have a system or I've got to have a process. 
and they look for something off the shelf um, they look for something that is going to work for them but actually what they need to do is look at their business and get something that works for their business and yes there will be things off the shelf but it's all about tailoring it to how you want your business to run and be structured and how to get the best out of it and that's sometimes I think a problem that people have is that they look for a system for something and if there isn't one off the shelf they struggle or they'll go for one off the shelf and then think well why isn't it working in my business it's because your business isn't you know your business isn't a one-size-fits-all and so you've got to adapt it and you've got to tailor things specifically to you mm. and and again daunting prospect but you just start with one and then two yeah. and then three and it's it's uh again that's simple isn't it? <laughs> i know it sounds simple sounds simple, simple. And, simple and easy are two different things it's simple not necessarily easy but yeah, yeah. And, and you know and you see people on a regular basis that they have some systems and processes in place and they work or they don't work in some cases but then there's a gap in between so you know some systems need to talk to other systems it's not just about having the systems it's about how those systems interlock with each other and how this you know it could be simple it could just be down to communication you know how do we communicate from department a to department b or how do we communicate client you know from this um sort of issue to this issue you know who's responsible for what and sometimes it's about more of a communication sometimes it's about linking the systems together um and and that can be where the gap is you mm. know i speak to companies on a regular basis that have got the odd system here and there but if none of the systems are connected then they're still working in independently and, and it's that it's the connection that brings it all together and gets the machine working mm. Back to communication again. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, almost like that's important or something. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll ask you a an impossible question, but give it a go anyway. Really putting you on the spot here. If you if you've got a business owner who's in that hamster wheel that you were talking about that uh, uh, they can't get out, what I'll say three things. <laughs> you can go with four if you want, <laughs> or whatever. Pick your number, but about three. What three things would you steps would you think they should do to start getting off that hamster wheel? um stop um you know stop what you're doing <laughs> um i'm a big believer in taking a step back um and and assessing things from a different viewpoint sometimes you need help doing that it's not something that you can always do yourself um and i think it's it's if you are struggling to reach out to somebody um and have a conversation ideally somebody that's been there and done it and experienced it and has got the sort of the experience and the professional ability to help you but you know if you can't do that for whatever reason um you know speak out to another person that you know that's in business and say do you know what actually i've got this problem or i'm feeling this frustration you know what can we do uh, or what could i do or have you got any ideas um but uh, but definitely to stop then reach out and do an assessment, I think would be the three things to, to do. And, and it's about getting the right help and advice, I think. Uh, that's very, very sensible. I'm gonna just add an extra layer in, which isn't really my question, but I'll go to just something that's come to my mind as you were talking. And it's do that anyway, <laughs> i.e. going with the conversation we just had, don't wait until a problem arises and then do it. Mm -hmm. because by the time you become aware of the problem it's probably several months after the problem actually happened like we were talking about with you don't notice it if we're in the mindset of getting into that process of con constantly reaching out getting advice from other people and reviewing our stuff as we go forward we can be much better placed before anything actually yeah i would agree with that i would also say be very careful who you're taking advice from 
uh, that's a really big thing. Uh, I see lots of people that have had lots of advice from lots of different sources. Um, and nine times out of 10, a percentage of those people don't have a clue about running a business. They've never run a business before. Um, and they, they haven't actually got practical advice to give you know they think they're helping but actually what well, all they're doing is distracting from what the real issue is um and and also you know making sure that the people that you're speaking to have got your best interests at heart not their own um i have seen it before where people will go to certain people um and and and, and end up actually going into doing something else which leaves them out of pocket um, and isn't actually in the best interest of the business anyway. Um, so again, I think it's being very careful of who you speak to and making sure that you speak into ideally a, a professional and expert, someone that's been there, done it and can advise you based on experience or somebody that is, is actually invested in you as a person and, and wants you to do well rather than just wants to, you know, take your money and run so to speak um because i do see that where people have gone to certain people and said oh i've got a problem with x and then all of a sudden they've spent a thousand pound two thousand pound three thousand pound and they're no further forward and it's because this person spotted an opportunity to to take money from this per from you know the business and, and it's not it's not conducive to, to to good business relationships how do you spot those because it's always a challenge because everyone's good at marketing themselves they'll have the best profile they'll pick out the, the select testimonials or say the right sort of things and there's so much noise out there there's so many things to choose from how do you fine tune it and actually get the right people for you um good question actually uh, i think it's making sure that um that it aligns with your values so if at any point you're having these conversations and they start to feel uncomfortable or you start to feel like you're being sold at or you start to feel like you're going into things that is perhaps not connected to what it was you wanted it to go down, if, if this makes any sense. Um, I think making sure that the people that you're speaking to are in are in, of the same values of you, you know, that they're actually there to help you. They're not just going to try and, uh, and rob you. And I think, yes, it's a very, very noisy world that we're living in. My goodness, when I set my business up, we used to advertise on the yellow pages, you know, we didn't have Facebook and, uh, you know, I mean, Google was there, but it was never, it was not like it is now. Um, you know, we built our own websites back then. <laughs> now we've got all these amazing web designers and people that can do all these things and that wasn't accessible to me you know 15 years ago not like it is now and um, the world has changed so much and I think it's just about making sure that the people that you're talking to uh, are, are on you know a level that you can have those conversations but also that you feel comfortable being open with people that you're talking to as well you know you've if you're talking about your business it's a very personal thing you know you've got to be in a position where you feel open to having those conversations making sure that it's in line with your values and that all the time you have your vision in mind mm. so whenever you're talking to people that you're um, that you're talking to them with the view that this is going to help me to realize my vision um you know and 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 sticking to that you know i, I see it all the time where people will um I had one recently where they were going down a certain route with growing their business and all of a sudden were doing a massive recruitment drive um, that wasn't the plan you know the, the the plan was not to go down a massive recruitment drive. and actually they didn't need to they spent a hell of a lot of money they didn't end up growing their team and they didn't actually need to grow their team because that wasn't the purpose of of the whole moving the business forward so i think it's make sure that what you're doing is in line with your values but also in line with your vision Mm, no, perfect. And, and I think it's it's really important that people are prepared to challenge the expert. 
And like yeah. you said, you know, if, they, if, if they're not asking you about your personal vision, then that's a bad start. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no harm in saying, okay, this is how, how does this get me towards that? Explain it to me. That's communication. Yeah. You understand the plan and see how things fit in. You, you get it. You understand it. But if it doesn't make sense to you, then challenge and be prepared yes. to walk away. Yes, definitely. You know, and you're not going to connect with everybody. Mm. You know, you're not going to you're not going to connect with with everybody. It's the same when um, I know myself years ago when I was looking for a, a consultant to work with me on my business. Um, I, it took me such a long time to find somebody that actually connected with me, that mm. understood me and that could work in a way that was beneficial to me. Um, you know, and, and it's it's about finding the right person. Don't go with the first person that re rears their head because they might not be the right fit for you. Or they, they, they might say all the right things or make you feel all the right things, but that's actually, you know, you need to be asking the right questions up front um, because, you know, it's very easy to, to, to get bad advice at the moment. So it's making sure that you're talking to the right people. Mm, which again goes back to that point start earlier <laughs> because yes, if, definitely if you're in difficulty in asking for help you, you, you know you're, you're going to take the first person that comes and that may not be the right person exactly um, exactly brilliant uh thank you Hayden. that's been a really interesting discussion i'd love to love hearing your your journey and understanding how you've changed as a person as your uh, as your business has changed as well and 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 again it's that connection between business and life we cannot separate the two no um, they, no matter how hard we try <laughs> <laughs> they all flow with each other uh key question a to ask you uh, which i ask everybody at the end of the interview Haley, what makes your bits tingle so for me it's seeing the transformation in other people's businesses and helping them um get those breakthrough moments where they can actually move their business forward beautiful and, uh, and if anybody wants to help move their business forward want to find out more about you where should they track you down look for you yeah, so they can track me down on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn, and also through my website, which is iecost.co.uk. iecost.co.uk. Yeah, iecos.co.uk, which stands for Improving Efficiency with Using Key Operational Systems. Excellent. Perfect. And it's also a derivative of the children's names. So that's the link between oh. the business <laughs> and personal. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> All integrates beautifully. Fantastic. It does. <laughs> Thank you, Hayley. It's been uh, absolutely fascinating. I hope uh, uh, people get uh, some great uh, thoughts and ideas out of this. And uh, and yeah, start now. Start talking to people. Start thinking about what you want to get out of your business. And uh, remember, you can't do it alone. But there are people, are good people out there that can help you get what you want. Most so, definitely. Thank you very much. Thank you, Hayley. These podcasts are not necessarily here to give you all the answers. I want you to think about what's been said, what's come up, and how you might apply that to your own situation. And if you've enjoyed it, then please subscribe to the podcast and, of course, share it on the social media platforms and so more people get a chance to hear what's going on. Thanks very much for listening. My name's Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment, and I want you to enjoy your business so much it makes your bits tingle. <laughs>